Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your co-host, Carrie Borkowski, here with Brianne Roos. And we are very excited and a little nervous um, because we get to interview um, Andrea DeWitt, who has written a book and done some press and really talking about this great name, claim, and reframe. And I think you'll find very quickly that it is absolutely connected to our work around belonging. So, Brianne, it's great to see you again. Likewise. Nice to see you. Yeah. Andrea, welcome to the pod. You, Carrie and Brianna. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So as we always do, I want to start off with a short bio to introduce our guests. Andrea is known for her infectious energy. Andrea inspires leaders to step into their power, their potential, and their truth. She's been featured on the Today Show as the best motivational read for 2023. Her book, Name, Claim, and Reframe Your Path to a Well-Lived Life, is a call to disarm from the suit of metaphorical armor that hides our truths, false identities, and the pain we've stuffed away and never acknowledged. Her practical approach to navigating life's challenges centers around the NCR toolbox, Name, Claim, and Reframe, balance your energies, stand by your core values, and create the life you want to live. A self-proclaimed, I love this, warrior in recovery. I'm sure we'll hear more about this later. Um, Andrea's platform teaches that it is only through attuned awareness and self-compassion that we heal ourselves from the inside out and form a potentially powerful foundation to live authentically in our truth. A gifted facilitator, she teaches leaders tools and new perspectives that truly change how they see themselves and how they navigate the changes they want to make in their life. Andrea holds an MED in reading leadership from UC Berkeley and is a certified professional coach for the International Coaching Federation and the Coactive Training Institute. And she lives in a beautiful place in the San Francisco Bay Area. So again, Andrea, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us for a little bit. Well, I'm really excited to be here to talk to both of you, fellow authors. <laughs> and so we we all share, um, you know, that 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 love of just learning and sharing. And um, I, when we spoke earlier, um, Carrie, um, I felt like you were a long lost friend, but I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't. Yeah, Matt. So it's I'm really excited to talk both of you today. Yeah, absolutely. And just for our listeners who haven't had a chance to read Andrea's book, but I would highly encourage you to pick it up just to sort of connect her book, your book with our work. You know, I pulled a quote. I think this one is also in your um, email. And the quote is, it is only when we dare to look inside ourselves that we find the truth to light our way forward. And when I read that quote again, I was like, again, I'm I'm aff- be affirming <laughs> why we wanted you to come on the pod today and talk about belonging to self. I mean, I think it's all sort of summed up right there. <laughs> yes. And it's the hardest thing, isn't it? It yes. really is the hardest thing. And um, when, you know, when we talked about belonging and I think that belonging is really feeling seen, heard and free to be your authentic self. And for me, I don't think I really belonged to myself until I was in my early fifties. Wow. (laughs) Truly. And, you know, I think that sometimes it's the, 
um, the real challenging times that we find really the fortitude that we have. And for me, that's really what sparked me writing this book was, yeah. was a, a really challenging time in my Absolutely. life. Yeah. Well, Andrea, I want to chime in here and welcome you also. Thanks for, for giving us your definition of belonging, being seen, heard, and free to be your authentic self. I feel like that's a mic drop in and of itself, but we'll, <laughs> we'll keep unpacking it. Um, before we get too, further in, too much further into the conversation, how are you? So we just wanted to kind of check in and, and see how you and your family are and, and ground us in, you know, our humanness before we, we get too far into our big conversation. You know, I, I, I really appreciate, appreciate you asking me that, Brian, because um, right now is, is a really challenging time for my family, my, mm-hmm. my whole family. My, um, we lost a young uh, nephew earlier in the year. I my, lost my dad. Mm-hmm. He died oh, no. um, at 93. He had a very full life mm-hmm. and my mom isn't doing great. And so mm-hmm. um, when I think about name, claim and reframe, I probably just sit every day because belonging is really checking in with yourself. Where am I today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And before I came on the show, I grounded myself. I thought, you know what? I'm a little bit, I need to ground myself because I need to be, I need to show up as my best self. And I'm being honest with you and sharing my vulnerability and saying that, you know, I had to ground myself today to be here. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I claimed being, I really want to have a really rich conversation with these women. And I want to claim um, curiosity and enthusiasm and collaboration. How can mm-hmm. I really, you know, have their thought leadership and, and just dance in that. And then reframing it as an incredible opportunity <laughs> to really um, talk about this work and maybe um, get other people on board with the magic of naming, claiming, and reframing and curating the life of your choosing. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I'm showing up today. And thank you for asking that. And I already feel... Wow. (laughs) From from all that. So you can see that it's really about, it's a constant practice really, Mm -hmm. because life isn't perfect, but a well-lived life is meaning that you know exactly where you are at any given moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, you may not be what I would say above the line. You may be actually below the line. This morning I was a little, and I thought, okay, what do I need to do to bring myself, my energy up? Mm -hmm. And, and that really comes from within that is belonging to owning where you are and then choosing again. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate, we appreciate your vulnerability. We're all about that. Right. Brian. Um, and yeah. I think this practice of checking in with folks started for us when we were um, interviewing people during the pandemic, because, mm-hmm. you know, the pandemic put our backs against a wall and said, we have to stop this BS of how are you? I'm fine because we're not, we knew we weren't. Right. And so we started doing that. I wonder, Andrea, though, like, what do you, what do you think the transformation is just even in your example this morning, right? You were sort of, you said you were sort of below the line and energy, and then you moved yourself above the line just with the sort of name and claim. Like, what do you think the, the secret sauce is to just doing that sort of exercise that feels so good in the moment, even though it might be surfacing something so hard, right? Like, what do you think the secret sauce is? Oh, gosh. I, you know, I, I don't think there's a secret sauce, but I mm-hmm. think that there is um, an acceptance um, with 
really accepting yourself right where you are and also mm -hmm. reminding for me it was reminding myself oh honey <laughs> like I'm talking to the wife <laughs> that lives just under my skin yeah. and she's <laughs> she's got it together she's she goes oh sweetheart you've got this love mm -hmm. you know exactly what to do so just trust yourself and I think when we trust that we have everything we need inside of us and I think Rumi I'm, I'm paraphrasing Rumi, but everything we need is right inside us. Yeah. And so I reminded myself, you got this, sweetie. Mm. You know, you got it. And um, also when I came onto the screen and I saw your, your beautiful little faces, I thought, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and right there, I mean, the energy just sort of, I mean, it just kind of filled the space. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, I think also I have a dear friend who's written a book about breathing. Her name's Sandy, Sandy, Sandy Abrams. Mm -hmm. And she's written this book about breath. And I often just take three deep breaths. And that right there, you just received yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you take in and then you expel everything that is yes. not going to serve you. I mean, I think if we all took the time to take three deep breaths, and this is what Sandy says, I mean, we show up much better than we, then we're not reactive. We're more responsive. Yeah. And our world moves so quickly, doesn't it? Mm. And if we give ourselves time to just, whew, <laughs> it's just so much better. Even if you're, you know, you're having a conversation with, you know, when you call, um, you know, you're trying to call the bank or you're trying to call insurance <laughs> or something and you, know, you get a recording and you're, yeah. you are ready to just <laughs> yeah. really not show up your, as your best self. I, I <laughs> will take three deep breaths and think, okay, who do I really want to be in this situation? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I've been there with those yeah. calls for sure. We all yeah. have. Yeah. And we will again. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say that I was there with a student a little bit earlier today. <laughs> and I had to take some deep breaths to show up as my best self. Yes. And to try to model said behavior. So, yeah. Um, thank you, Andrea. I would love to um, unpack your definition a little bit more and invite you to do that. So, when we think about belonging, you know, we've been thinking about it and talking about it and writing about it, and we learn something new in every conversation. So um, what you shared earlier, if I got it correctly, it's that um, to be seen, heard, and free to be our authentic selves. Can you say a little bit more about that? What is this, what is this construct to you, this idea of belonging? Well, I mean, could I, would it be okay if I talked about it within the, the context of name, claim, and reframe? Yeah, sure. Please. Because I, this is, I, I'm late, I, I am late to the party. <laughs> I am late to the coaching world. I mean, I, I had a 32 year career as an academic and, and I went back to school because I did not belong to myself. I went back to be certified as a coach because I did not feel like I belonged to myself. And I was feeling this dissonance with what I was doing professionally and really what didn't feel right anymore. And so um, when I say name, what I mean is name uh, your triggers or um, what you can't be, what the pain point is, you know, why am I reacting to this challenge instead of responding to it? Mm -hmm. And so the, the convert, you know, what I, I explained this morning about how I felt, I thought, Ooh, I don't want to be reactive. I want to be responsive. When you are responsive, you are in your power. When you are reactive, you're out of power. So the naming stuff is really about that. The claim is really 
making, taking actions that match up with your core values. My experience first with myself, and then as I work with clients is that most of us think we know what our core values are, but it's really the dissonant experiences that really inform our core values. When somebody trumps <laughs> yep. a core value, yes. then you know something's yes. not right. Yes. And if we are making decisions and actions that align with our core values, then we are in belonging. We belong to ourselves. We are in alignment. We're attuned. I mean, there's just this incredible groundedness that happens. And so that's really the claim step is um, decisions made that align with our, our core values. Mm-hmm. And then when we, we've named and claimed, then we can reframe. And then, I mean, I really believe that um, nothing that happens to you is a mistake. And that even things that are really hard have learning within them. Mm-hmm. We can always um, separate our ego and find a different perspective. I was writing a piece about feedback. So many of us struggle with feedback. I mean, Brianne, you were talking about talking to a student and giving feedback to someone. And oftentimes it's really hard to receive feedback. Mm -hmm. But if we can separate our ego and receive that feedback with grace and think, oh, I didn't think about that piece of it, or I'm going to harvest that. And you know what? That particular gem that you gave me isn't helpful to me. So I'm going to throw that out. Just going to keep the pieces that are helpful to me. But reframing is really about finding the the little pieces inside every situation that will help you match your goals for the future. And Mm -hmm. even when, especially I think when hard things happen, they teach us parts of ourselves we didn't know we had or strengths we didn't have or give us opportunities to find alternative routes that we didn't expect. Mm -hmm. So that's the reframe step. Yeah, I love, I appreciate the step through because our audience loves sort of tangible, right? Really putting examples to it. And I I can't help but think, um, Andrea and Brianne, when you said that it's when we're out of our core values or when it rubs against, that is exactly what we have found in the literature. When we, many of the times when we ask a guest about their definition of belonging, the first thing they say is, I remember when I didn't belong. I can tell you a situation when I didn't belong, right? So like we remember with such clarity that those pieces. So I just think it's interesting that you also pointed that out in the core values work, right? That we feel that that sort of tension when we're, we're not aligned with our core values. That's so true. Um, I also loved your, your um, unpacking of reframe because I think one thing I've learned as a coach and also I'll be honest, I have a coach, which I feel like is such a gift, right? I've learned with my own coach that oftentimes those triggers, they lie, right? The narrative isn't true. And so part of the reframing is asking yourself, like, what's another story that you could tell yourself? Like, what is true here and what is not, right? And so I think that's interesting to sort of think about um, that piece too, that our brain often, for lots of reasons, is telling us a false narrative. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, especially when we, I, I call them OPOs, other people's opinions. Mm. Someone <laughs> gives you, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this story because this is, this is kind of funny. I was trying to find um, a graphic designer to help me. And um, the person that I was asking for help said, well, isn't she, your, 
isn't, and this is my, I was asking my daughter for help and my, mm-hmm. and the person asked my daughter, isn't your mom time at kind of an alpha female? Is she kind of alpha? And I thought, and so when I received that, I thought, oh gosh, that doesn't sound, you know, that just doesn't sound like, I don't really like that identity. That doesn't sound very good. And so I got off the phone. I didn't say anything to my daughter. And I thought I kind of wore that around and it just didn't feel right. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to reframe this definition. What is, you know, an alpha female, I don't think that's an insult. I think that's a compliment. Mm-hmm. You know, an alpha female is altruistic. She supports other women. She's collaborative. She's not afraid to to own, you know, her her light, but she's also not afraid to fail. I mean, I was thinking about all these things that I really have embraced and I ended up writing a post about it. And I thought, yeah, I am an alpha female, but <laughs> but it seemed like it was so much more feminine and 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 really just um generosity and and this is really um graceful, resourceful, uh strategic leadership. And I thought, yeah, I'm gonna own that. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And so, you know, I, I think that, I don't know, uh, that core values, when something hits us that way and and we feel dissonance, you know, we have the choice to choose again, Mm -hmm. how we receive it. And that said, I received it and I, I, I reshaped it. I, you know, I curated it in a way that worked for me that matched my core values. And there yeah. <laughs> I, I responded yeah, in a way that. that felt authentic. Again, you know, I opened with authenticity, but that's really what it is. We all have the power to um, filter it any way we want to. Mm. So we love to ask, especially since we're focusing on self, we love to ask for sort of a peek into your belonging story. And we also know that this could be an entire episode, perhaps. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so I would love to amend the question. If you're willing, it's always an invitation. Um, you talk a little bit about being a warrior in recovery. And I read, um, I tried to read as much as I could to prepare and read, a, I think it was a medium article where you talked about your father, you just mentioned your father and that, so I'm, I'm being presumptuous thinking that that's part of your belonging journey, but I'm wondering, could you share a little bit about what you mean when you say warrior in recovery? Oh, absolutely. Oh, great. Um, I grew up in a very masculine oriented household. I mean, I had a, a mom and a dad and then I had two younger brothers and, and um, both my parents. And I, when I talk about masculine and fem- feminine energies, both men and women or however you identify, we all have masculine and feminine leadership traits, but in my family, everybody showed up with masculine leadership traits. I mean, you know, everybody was action oriented and brave and competitive and courageous. And that was all great. But what happens was when I was triggered, I showed up, you know, kind of um, territorial or, you know, defensive or um, inflexible. And those really aren't very good leadership <laughs> traits. Yeah. And so, um, and I I had been successful, but mm-hmm. what I noticed is that my mother even, she was, you know, an incredible mom. Um, she worked, although she taught for a while. She was a stay-at-home mom, but she didn't really show up her uh, feminine traits 
either. I mean, you know, she, when I did see femininity in my mom, I saw um, insecurity, which we all have. Mm -hmm. I saw um, people pleasing. Mm -hmm. I saw withholding emotion, um, which I think we all do. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was missing this incredible part of her, her power, um, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, that, um, that grace that, um, you know, I think um, emotional intelligence lives in above the line feminine um, vulnerability. I mean, we were not allowed to be vulnerable <laughs> in, my, in my household. And I thought vulnerability was not a cool thing. And I never showed my vulnerability. And I really had this, this moment um, when I left um, academia and I li- uh, went into the world of coaching where I really had, it came to terms with the fact like you are a warrior and that is not serving you because what's underneath, who's the wise woman that lives underneath there and underneath my skin, I found this incredible woman. She was, she was still really strong, but I call her a gentle warrior mm-hmm. because she brought in, you know, I didn't want to get rid of my warrior because my warrior's gotten me where I needed to go. She's sturdy, but this gentle warrior was um, flexible and, and she was compassionate and she, um, was curious and she cultivated these incredible relationships. She was attuned with her emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I love the balance between the, the masculine sort of doing piece and the feminine being piece. And when you think about good negotiators, they bring a lot of feminine energy to that negotiating negotiation because they're receiving, which is a feminine mm-hmm. leadership trait. They're listening, which is a feminine leadership trait. They're creating community, mm-hmm. which is a feminine leadership trait. I mean, wow. And you combine that with being really focused and, and um, you know, pro- pro- solving problems and being analytical and task oriented, put those together. Wow. Potent leadership. Yeah. And I, what I found is that I thought, wow, you know, I have all these traits and I've never highlighted them. And so that is really what spurred me on to write this book because I thought everybody can use this. I mean, Mm -hmm. all of us can choose again. Ooh, I'm, I'm reacting. I get to choose again to respond. How do I, what, what what kind of leadership traits do I want to bring to this? Mm -hmm. And I think that, oh my goodness, if more people just took a deep breath, those three deep breaths that we talked about <laughs> and thought, ooh, who, I, who do I really want to be? Now, Brianne, you talked about um, modeling leadership today, you know, in a meeting with a student. And I think it's this incredible opportunity we have every day. Um, you can model leadership um, when you're driving in traffic. If somebody, you know, <laughs> blares the horn, you can just go, Oh, oh, are you in a hurry? <laughs> I'd have to breathe maybe 10 times before I, I could do all, that though. <laughs> I mean, some days better than others, but I mean, honest to goodness, I mean, I think about it and I think I'm not, I'm not going to take on your energy because that energy mm. is not sweet and that's your energy. Yeah. So I've created that little energetic boundary. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, we all have the capacity to do it. It's just about being conscious. Where am I right now? And where do I want to be? Yeah. I'm curious, Andrea, off script a little bit. How did that differ for you? So when you showed up to work, um, 
before as the the warrior who's yeah. very successful, et cetera, versus showing up as um, the gentle warrior? What, how does it feel that's a, for you? Such like, a great what's, what's the difference? Such a great question. Um, I think that um, I was really unbalanced because I was so masculine mm-hmm. and I was so, I mean, I was going to conk, I was going to, you know, slay it, kill it, go get it. I mean, you know, and so when you're, when you're that way, so in that, you know, that doing, you're not aware of everybody else. You're just going after what the goal is Mm -hmm. without, you know, feminine energy. What I found when I started being more conscious about, you know, bringing in more feminine energy, I was taking time to maybe assess, you know, read the room, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Also, I was taking my own emotions in. I think what I found in the women in my practice is that um, not just both men and women, but mostly women who came to me, they were, you know, feeling this need to really change things up and pivot. And they had really neglected, they had been armed warriors and they had neglected really their truths. Mm-hmm. And our truths are underneath. And so they, the things that, that they were neglecting were their emotional intelligence and their ability to read the room and understand, you know, I, I, this doesn't feel right to me and I need to follow that. Um, their ability to really be altruistic and work with others and cultivate connections, because that's how we create harmony. When we go in as the warring warrior, I mean, I think about like slaying dragons, you go in and slay the dragon. Well, you know, what if you could convince the dragon to be on your side <laughs> using feminine energy? I mean, I would love to have that dragon yeah. on my side. I mean, I could bring the dragon in and, you know, my goodness, it's got great skills. It's kind of menacing, but I can use, it's incredible. <laughs> I can just, you know, I can bring the dragon in with me and we could work together come with me. Let's like a, join forces. I mean, I, I think about that and I think, yeah, you can do that. And, and uh, I love that balance. Um, yeah. I think that I am not only, um, a more balanced, intuitive leader, I'm just a happier person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. more harmony. Um, it's about really, um, I get more done. I think that I, I release, I, I, I get more done, but I also, I'm realistic about, you know, I don't need to do that today. I'm not going to drill myself into the ground. I need to step away from this today. And that to me is that balance of really the boundaries, the boundaries. Yes. And that, (laughs) and the boundaries, those energetic boundaries, that's in the claim step. I, I think as women, we are pushing ourselves. We're, you know, we're navigating so many different things at work, in our personal life, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just this incredible opportunity to just be, you know, both sides of our wholeness. And it's not just the sparkly stuff that we want to show the world. It's also dealing with the shadow parts of ourselves. I mean, I, I think that I did not really belong to myself until I dealt with the warring warrior inside me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, as I said, I just lost my dear dad and I actually was able to heal that relationship. And I was actually able to, you know, say, Hey dad, you know, this is what I'm needing from you. And I'm mm-hmm. showing that I have a conversation in the book where I talk about when I finally allowed him to see this vulnerable woman inside that was finally asking for what she needed. 
And I needed him to be my dad and to love me. And he had always just, I mean, I had just met him right where he was. And it was this incredible healing opportunity to, um, to heal a relationship. And um, he actually met me right there and he started showing more of his vulnerability. And um, we, it just was this incredible, like he, he showed more of his feminine leadership styles at the end of his life. And it was this, I thought, okay, this is, anybody could do this. You know, you could even do it after somebody passes by writing the letter or something, you know, just to be, be at peace with that. But I mean, and he was 93, but I mean, I, I, I am a warrior because I had, my father was so powerful, but um, he taught me um, to be brave, but also um, because I wanted to connect with him, I had to get in touch with the shadow parts of myself mm. to meet him. And he met me. Yeah. And so any of us, even, even in our nineties can transform really. Mm. And it was beautiful. You've said a couple of times that you don't think you belong to yourself until you were in your fifties. Yeah. That, so, scary. Pretty scary, huh? I don't know. You're talking to two people who do belonging research. So I'm not that surprised, honestly. Um, what I am is curious. And mm -hmm. what I would love to hear is, can you, you've given us, I feel like I understand perhaps one of the moments, the inflection points for you was that sort of encounter with your dad. Can you color in a little bit more detail for us, like the moments, the years, the days before, and then the moments, the years after? So I can sort of see like, what is it? Who does Andrea look like when she's not feeling like she belongs to herself? And then who does Andrea look like when she does? Well, does that make sense as a question? Yeah, I'm just really curious absolutely. about that part of the journey. Yeah. I, when you, when you say that, Carrie, I think about driving to work in the morning when my children were in school and mm -hmm. I, I was, um, in administration and, um, I was a, a leader, in, um, in a school system. And I, I would drop my kids off early mm -hmm. to school and, you know, get them all organized. And then I, I drive to work and I would be in tears driving to work because mm -hmm. I was so stressed out. And I real, I, I thought, you know, I just, I got to pull it together. But there was all this, this pent up, you know, anger, frustration, resentment, all this stuff that, you know, you don't want to show up at work when you have to lead a team meeting yeah. like that. And so I think about that woman and I thought, God, that woman was so unbalanced. Oh my mm. goodness. That was her, but I wasn't in, that was, you know, I was in my, you know, my forties by that time. Yeah. So that was, that was like at, at the worst possible. Aww. That was when I was really out of touch. When I really finally just was brave enough to pivot was in my, um, my early fifties and mm -hmm. I was teaching at a college and I, um, my husband and I had a financial reset that scared me to death. It was, mm -hmm. it was something like it, it took us to a place where I thought like everything I thought was thought was sacred wasn't anymore. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, it really pushed me to claim myself. Mm -hmm. And so I let, I decided, you know what? I am not going down. <laughs> I, this is, this isn't working for me anymore where I'm working here at this college and I've got to um, do something that feels right. And so that's when I jumped ship and went back to school to become 
a life and leadership coach. And um, it was the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, I'm yeah. in my you know early 50s and I think, okay, am I smart enough? Mm. Will I be able to start a business and make mm. money? Um, am I too old? I mean, so all of us ask that question. Sure. Are people going to laugh at me because I come from academia and they're not going to take me seriously? <laughs> I mean, all those questions. And I walked into the room that first day and I thought, oh my goodness, these are my people. <laughs> yeah. Where, 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 why didn't I do this earlier? But talk about belonging. Because in that moment of being vulnerable and taking and betting on myself, mm. betting on myself that everything that I had, I mean, everything that you've done, you know, you talk like about 32 year career as an academic. I didn't realize how much I had. I had a lot, <laughs> a lot packed up. And I brought it, I'm thinking, Mm. <laughs> and I always say to um, my clients and the people that take my workshops, you know, everything that you need, everything you've done will serve you going forward. There's a reason for everything that you've done, mm. especially the hard things, because you can mine, pull out all the little precious gems and use them. And I, I mean, it's, it's just, it, it, it really, and that's the reframe. I mean, uh, you can see I'm an optimist. <laughs> I'm always looking for, yeah, I love it. always is. If you can step back, even when crummy things happen, like I talked about that financial reset, my husband and I look at that and we go, oh my gosh, it, it was the universe came to save us from ourselves because mm -hmm. we were both on the wrong, we were on the wrong track. Yeah. We needed to switch it up. And we're both, we both pivoted and we're in in such a better place than we were before. Well, you're an optimist with lots of evidence. So that gives you a lot of credibility. <laughs> well, so, it's, yeah. you know, it's their data points, right? Yeah, ladies, exactly. Researchers, yeah. They're data points. For sure. And, um, you know, I can remember just not even being able to talk about that mm. financial reset. It was, there was so much shame, but when we, you know, Brene Brown says when, you know, when you bring shame into the light, it, 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 and there's nobody in this world that hasn't gone through, it could be divorce, it could be an illness, it could be a death, it could be a job loss, it could be anything. I mean, mine happened to be finding a financial reset, but I mean, we all have points in our lives that point, you know, push yeah. us where we need to go. And that, and I am always grateful because without that reset, I wouldn't have this incredible work. Yeah. Sometimes you need and, that metaphorical bonk on the head, right? And, really and I remember it. when I was writing, um, I was working with a developmental editor and she said, Andrea, you're going to have to write about that in chapter one. <laughs> in chapter, like, one, chapter one, chapter one. <laughs> yeah. and, From the jump. And, and so I, I had to write it. It was horrible. Oh. And but then as I've gone through, I think, you know, everybody's had a chapter one. Yeah. Everybody has a chapter one. Absolutely. Everybody does. Yeah. Well, it's, I have to say well, the thing that you said, Andrea, and I, I feel like you're channeling your dad. You said that one of your first reactions was I am not going down. And that sounds full on warrior to me, which right. I just love, right? That you're, you're able to take that gift from your dad and use it towards your good and but look at your trajectory. It was true. But what was really interesting about it though, you're right, Carrie, but yes, I wasn't going down, but I, the way I recovered was gentle warrior. For I was sure. graceful. Right. Yeah, for sure. I was resourceful. Yeah. And I was 
very strategic. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just yeah. think it's such a beautiful illustration of the integration, right? That it, I mean, yeah. and I didn't realize it at the time, but it was yeah. like, oh, there's so much more here for you, Lavi. <laughs> and I think okay. that there's persistence, right? Like there, there are words that I think can apply to both a gentle warrior and a warrior. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I, I mean, served you, you know, even though you reshaped and reframed. I mean, I, I still, I mean, I'm always having to catch the warrior because she bubbles up, you know, she's part of me and I'll think <laughs> down girl. Yeah. I'll, I'll say to her, you know what? I know you want to do that, but there's a softer and gentle and much mm. more intelligent way to do this. So we're not going to do that anymore. Mm. I mean, well, Andrea, even come. the words you're using, like you just said softer and gentle, more intelligent. I noticed before when you talked about a good day, you said slate it, crushed it, go get it. Right. <laughs> killed it. <laughs> I never even thought about the fact that when I said, you know, if I feel I have a good day, I might say I crushed it or she crushed it. It's always this sort of like really aggressive language yes, to, true. to yeah. claim success. I never thought about those words that we use um, until, until you pointed that out. So I really appreciate that. Mm. Well, and it's, I mean, it's, <clears throat> I mean, I, I always identified with the warrior archetype, but uh, <clears throat> You know, I have this photograph I use, it's an illustration and it's this, this warrior and she's, she's got her armor off, but she's just got this, she just looks so regretful. Like, oh God, I, sh I don't think I handled that very well. I mean, she would come home and think, you know, I could have handled that better. I kind of, maybe I was a little, maybe I was a little strong and I don't have those days anymore. I don't have those days anymore. And I used to have days like that, like the lady driving to school in tears, you know, driving to those meetings. Yeah. I don't have those days anymore because um, I take those three deep breaths and I think about it more. And I mean, I'm not saying that every day is perfect, but I think that everybody has the opportunity to name, claim and reframe every situation. And it can be, you know, um, <laughs> a micro mess. You know, you have a, you have a, a, a spat with your, your partner, or it can be a major problem. You know, you've got a, a, a real challenge that you have to solve quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just think it's, it's, it's a choice really. So, so I know that you um, do lots of coaching and lots of workshops. You have this book that our audience should definitely go out and buy or get on Kindle or however you consume your reading this day, these days. I'm wondering though, Andrea, could you, for folks who really are new to this space, like self-awareness, breathing, all of this, maybe coaching isn't even a thing. We always like to ask guests who do, you know, this kind of work that's really applicable to every day. Like what are a couple of small first steps that folks who really don't know this work could try? Like they were, you're inviting them to just give it a try. Like, what would you suggest? Where do they that's start? A, that's Carrie. That's so great. The reason I'm going to tell you my why, because I yeah. think, um, before I became a life coach, I thought it was kind of woo-woo. I, <laughs> yes. I mean, I it, it, I just thought it was, you know, this isn't for me. This doesn't make sense. It's woo-woo. But what um, I, the reason I wrote this book is, is to make life coaching tools accessible to everybody. Mm. I mean, not everybody can afford or even wants to hire a coach. Yeah. And so this work is gives people helps them dip their toe into really um self-awareness mm -hmm. and really stepping into some of the life coaching tips 
um, that really are just basic. And you both have done this, so you know what I'm talking about. But the first number one tool that I use with clients when we start is I, I use the critic tool. I mean, I we we talk about, you know, we all have a voice, you know, mm. a, a sabotage, and it, you can call it the saboteur or the gremlin. I call it the inner critic. It's the voice that tries to argue, tries to keep you playing safe. It's trying to keep you safe, mm-hmm. but it's really keeps you from really stepping into your power and your potential. Mm. And so um, when you, um, and I think it shows up really when we're taking up more space or we're, we're, we're going to do something that's going to expand, you know, know, our energy in a way, like going into a scary meeting or a job interview. And I ask them, you know, Ooh, you know, what is that voice saying to you? Mm. Usually it says things like, Oh, you're not smart enough, Mm. you know, or, Oh, don't say that, you know, that would, that sounds stupid. I, I talk about two inner critics. The first one is, is she is, um, She's a 20 something college co-ed and she thinks I'm not smart enough. She is so afraid I'm going to make a mistake. You know, she's, she's afraid I'm going to embarrass us. And she is sure that, um, I have, I, I don't have enough knowledge to do what I'm doing. And I always say she shows up on my, my shoulder when I'm going to go on a podcast. <laughs> so I, I, I say, Oh, there you are. I mm. see you. 20 something. And I think, you know, you're 20 and I'm 61. So would you take advice from a, from a, from a 20 year old? And it, and it's 20 no. year old for me. I know what she was like. Yeah. And I said, you know, thank you so much for being afraid for us, but you have no idea what I've done because you're working with 20 year old, you know, back in the 1980s about what I was doing. And I've written a book about this. I know what I'm doing. Thanks so much for your concerns, but you need to go away. Mm-hmm. So I acknowledge her fear, but I send her away because she has no idea. Yeah. And most of the things, I mean, I, I talk about, mm-hmm. you know, our inner crit- critics, you know, worries are really motivated by fear, mm-hmm. false evidence, appearing real. I mean, mm-hmm. most of the things we worry about never happen. And if we can just go acknowledge the inner critic, I see you're there. Thanks so much for your help. But it's, it's not part of you. It's just, it's, I think that it comes from, you know, our overprotective parents or, um, you know, an experience we had when we were young mm-hmm. um, and that we, we, we just have to just acknowledge it and let it go. So the inner critic is the, is the number one thing that I think mm-hmm people really, really relate to, um, the core values. I have a core values, um, assessment in my book that you can do really quickly in a a list of core value, um, core values that you can draw from. Although you can make up your own core value list, but I think that really getting in touch with your core values Mm -hmm. um, is a really, really incredible way to start. Um, when a client comes to me and they're all hot and bothered, hot and bothers, bothered, I always say they have their undies in a bunch, you know, they're <laughs> hot and bothered. Yeah. Um, I, I'll say, okay, what core value was trumped? What can't you be with about this situation? And when we can zero in on what core value was trumped, it's so much easier to think about, oh, it was that. Now I can understand, I'm naming what I can't be with. And then once I understand that, then it's easier for me to take 
actions that will really match up. What do I need to do to feel better about this? What do I need to claim? And um, what people that I've worked with, people that have written me about this book say that that core value assessment um, shocked them in things that you didn't even know were important. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is the most interesting thing. And I'm still learning. I'm sure you are too about what's really important. Yeah, that core, I think that core value, I think both the core values and the inner critic, the core values just like unlocks, you know, what's getting in your way, what's supporting you. And the inner critic, I have to say, you mentioned the 20 something. When I work with clients, we talk about the word should Mm -hmm. as an inner critic's language. Like, where is that should? Who is saying that's a should? And what's the measure they're using to get you to that point? Right. Um, oh, I also, absolutely. can I also say that I love that you talk to your 20 something inner critic? Cause I have a few that come to the party and I have to say, okay, you're here now leave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's one more too. And I'm, I'm sure people can relate to this. And, um, I grew up Catholic, lots of Catholic, Catholic guilt, but I have one and I call her sister, Mary Francis. <laughs> she is my people pleaser and she shows up, you know, and she is always shooting me. She's mm. always like, oh, well, it would be so nice for you to rest <laughs> that. And I'll say, you know what, sister? Thanks so much. <laughs> but I am over the, you know, I'm exhausted right now. So I'm mm. going to say no thank you, you know, to that. Or I'm going to say hell no to that. <laughs> I think Brienne can relate to the sister uh, inner critic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. I, <laughs> and I was, I was actually doing, um, I was doing a talk for a Jewish faith-based group and they're incredible. And I thought, should I bring the sister? And I thought, no, bring the sister. Yeah. Bring her. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody Absolutely. can relate to sister. Everybody Mary. can relate to good old oh Catholic guilt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, I know your background in, is in education and you have lots of experience in education. I can only imagine that this work with inner critic and core values can be so useful for educators, like as you know, from K to 12 through higher ed, I just feel like I can imagine workshops with teachers. I can also imagine workshops with teachers for students, right? Like it's like both. And so, so powerful. I I mean, Oh gosh, Carrie, I, I wish I had known about this when I was teaching, Mm. um, you know, both college students and, you know, young children when you could have so much fun with it. Oh, totally. You know, and especially yeah. now, I think um, students have so much pressure on them. Mm. Um, and to yeah. be able to actually have fun and play with, you know, creating this persona, persona of your inner critic. Yeah. I yeah. actually, I, I do, I, we're, we're writing a workbook and I'm hopeful that educators will maybe be able to use parts of this workbook mm. you know, with their students, maybe, and really mm. be able to, to morph it. Into, cool. into I think it's very applicable in the advising space. I mean, before we hopped on here, I had lines of students um, and we were advising and, and literally she said, what do you think I should do? What should I take? I'm like, well, it's not really you should. It's like, there are lots of opportunities. So let's think about what seems the most exciting to you and what seems the most interesting. So to just sort of like gently reframe the language, um, you know, even just in a conversation, not necessarily in a workshop format, I find very powerful. I and love I that. Hope, that. hope they take a little bit with them. Who knows? But <laughs> well, and Brian, you know, in that, when I hear that, I think, oh, what an incredible leader you are modeling leadership because you're giving the power back to them. You're giving them their power back. It's like, what do you want to take? You know, what, this is really your choice. 
The students, the students don't, you know, as well as we do, uh, Andrew, the students don't always love in the moment that we give them back their power, maybe in a few years, but they're like, can you just tell me what to do? (laughs) They want a prescriptive list of all the things. Right, exactly. But (laughs) And then we have to talk about that. (laughs) But I mean, to me, it's like, I think about even my own children, I think I did too much for them. Mm. You know, I did too much for them. And then they weren't able to problem solve. It's like, oh, yeah, I just I trust that you know how to solve this. Here's some options. Yeah. Talk about them. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. So much goodness in this conversation. I know you've given us a lot to think about for sure. I have notes all over my pages here. So um, thank you. (laughs) And Andrea, we always like to just ask our guests if there's just anything else that you'd like to conclude with. So any, anything that we haven't touched on that you were hoping we would get to today before we wrap up. I would say that um, you're ready enough. (laughs) If you're thinking (laughs) about doing, doing something you want to do, don't wait. You're ready enough. You know, it's, it's, um, it's never too late and you're not too old to live your dream at any period of of your, of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, many of the people that come to me, you know, are afraid to take a chance why not bet on yourself? If you don't believe in yourself, um, then nobody's going to believe in you and everything is inside you. That would be my, I wish that, I think that would, I, uh, if I could have lunch with my, my 20 something inner critic, mm. I tell her that, oh, honey, everything you have is inside you. You have no idea um, all the things that you can do and just take one step and just try one little thing and, and you're going to, it'll open the doors and open doors and open doors. Mm. I love that. I have to say mm-hmm. that I wrote down and circled many times the ready enough. Mm. What a good I- Good. I have to give um, my coach because I do love that these coaches have coaches. I have a coach oh, too, yeah. Carrie, and my coach Tanya Geisler, who wrote my foreword, um, said that you're ready enough, and I I always use that, and I give mm. her credit for it because I think, yeah, you are ready enough. Yeah, I mean, um, oftentimes opportunities present themselves exactly mm-hmm. when you're ready. Yeah. Well, when we spend, and I know we need to wrap up. I just think. That's such a beautiful phrase because we spend so much time trying to convince our inner critic that we're ready and doing all this damn prep work. And it's, I just, (laughs) so I'm going to carry, I'm going to put that on a sticky, stick it to my monitor. (laughs) And I feel like we should all have a tattoo that says ready enough, (laughs) ready enough. So, so I'm going to, that's going to be the last word ready enough. And I just want to thank Andrea thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and for all the work you're doing with this book and with your workbook. I can't wait to see the workbook and all the cool stuff that you have for, for the audience. And Brianne, thank you as always for joining our conversation. This has been wonderful. And maybe Andrea, when the workbook comes out, you'll come on again and tell us about all the little nuggets that are, that are in there. (laughs) Would be my pleasure. Awesome. All right, everybody. This has been another episode of Tell Me This, and I hope you enjoyed the the show and be well and take care. Bye, everybody. So sincere under the glaciers of your last year.
So mm-hmm.